Philippians, the third chapter, Paul writing to this group of people and was inspired by God in the third chapter in the first verse, he said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Stir yourself up. Give praise to God. And then he said, for me, to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Notice, he said, for you it's safe to hear the same things again. Notice he said, for me, it's not tedious. It's not like, ah, but how many people think, i got to come up with something new to entertain the troops. I mean, how many of you have been eating the same kind of macaroni and cheese for years? And you're quite entertained by it. Right? It's pretty good. And, or the same kind of hamburger or the same kind of steak. And, you know, you're like, oh, I, heard, I already had that. Oh, it was real good. I don't need that. Now, you may not eat it every day, but there's some things you just incorporate into your diet. And there's things that, here's the thing. We are to train kids to eat properly. Kids left to themselves will not eat properly. For the most part, if there are options. It's the truth. I, I read an article about a girl, and they were like going to sue the parents because she was like 16 or 17, and all she had ever eaten for years and years and years was chicken nuggets from McDonald's nonetheless. Which, just so I don't get in trouble on this, is not bad at all. <laughs> um, and so, that being said, she was malnourished and, and she wasn't getting the vitamins and stuff like that. So we teach our kids, eat this, it's good for you. And we get them in the habit and then later on what happens is as they grow, they recognize, hey, if you just eat all the candy, get a little shaky. But if you eat stuff like vegetables and stuff, it actually, you feel good after. And so we need to train saints that hearing certain things again is not bad. It's not tedious for me. For some people, maybe it is. But for us, it shouldn't be tedious. For us, it is safe. And we need to get that mindset that it's okay. Oh, he talked about Jesus being Lord last month. Can we go and get on to something else? Notice this in First Thessalonians or Second Thessalonians. Real interesting to me because this subject is brought up again and again in different ways. And, um, and he starts explaining in different places why hearing the right thing is needful and what it'll do for you and how it will help you. This, these, this set of verses, we're not going to talk about the second coming. I'm not going to tell you who the Antichrist is. I'll have a special meeting about that later on this afternoon. <laughs> but right here, 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter in the first verse, it says, Now, brethren, who's he writing to? Not the sistren, the brethren. No, all of us, the believers. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's he talking about here? The coming of the Lord Jesus. If you want to interpret the next verses, and we're not going to right now, what's he talking about? The coming 
of the Lord Jesus. Not a rapture, the coming. The coming of the Lord Jesus and our gathering together to Him. Now notice this phrase. We ask you. Might be better to say this, I'm telling you. Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us. As though the day of Christ, which is his coming, had come. Notice verse 3. Let no one deceive you. So, something was happening to deceive him, tricking him to believe something that wasn't true. He said, let no one deceive you by any means. And we'll go back and look at some of this. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. In other words, the second coming of the Lord or the Lord's coming won't happen until after the Antichrist is revealed and there is a departure from truth, a falling away. People won't adhere to the truth. You can see why Paul's pattern is needful. Because we need to be fixed and moored in the truth, anchored in it. And then notice this. Who opposes and exalts, he starts explaining who this man of perdition or son of perdition is. See, Antichrist, who opposes, exalts himself above all that is called God, or who is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now verse 5. Do you not remember... Notice that phrase. Do you not remember? Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody says to me, do you remember? That means I can go back and pick something up that I either saw, heard, or experienced. Right? In other words, if you are going to school and they're going to teach you your numbers, and nobody's ever taught them before, they're going to say, how many you remember? One, two, three, four, five. We'd all go, huh? You can only remember what you've heard, what you've experienced, maybe what you've seen in the past. So he says here, do you not remember? So he's trying to get them to go back in time. That when I was still with you, I told you these things. Remember our first verse? It's not tedious for me to tell you the same thing. Well, he said, when I was with you preaching, I told you this. But he just wrote it again, so he told him again. So he's saying, remember, I told you this before. What I'm writing right now, you've already heard this before. Why is it important to hear right things before and again. Notice verse 2. That you not be soon shaken in mind. Troubled either by spirit. An unseen force. You ever had weird thoughts come to you? Dumb thoughts? Or by word or by letter. As if it was from us. You could say it like this. What was he conveying to them? What was Paul conveying that he said, 
that these things, word, spirit, letter, as, as though it was from us. In Thessalonians, he said, you received the words we taught. He said, you received it as though it was the word of God. And he said, in truth, it is. So when he was preaching, he was giving God's word to those people. But he said, you're receiving these other things like it's the final authority. How many people hear lies and accept them like they're the final authority? You won't make it. God's done with you. You've just gone too far. Where did that come from? Don't receive that like it's words that came from God. And that was the problem here. He said that we were not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. So where does the shaking and troubling come in the mind? Thoughts, ideas, suggestions... He said by spirit or by word or by letter, so he gives you avenues by way things come. As if from us. Like it's the truth. He said as though the day of Christ had come, and then he goes on to explain some things. But what's interesting to me is he said, when you heard these things, you put great value on it. And he said, don't do that Because you'll get troubled and you'll be shaken in your mind. Here's the word shaken in the Greek. It means emotion produced by winds, storms, waves. That means your head's going to start rocking. He said to agitate, or the word also means to agitate or shake. You ever been shaken in your thinking? None of us, obviously, praise the Lord. But this is going to be great for you to help other people. It means to cause to totter, to go back and forth, to shake thoroughly of a measure filled by shaking its contents together, to cast down from one's secure, happy state. Why do these things come to you? To cast you down in your own mind. One place the Bible said, why are you cast down, O my soul? In other words, you've been tore down from your happy place. Isn't it true when you're going with God and it seems like there's no opposition, you're like, woo, Jesus, doesn't matter. I can win, win anywhere. It's over. This is it. And we get all crazy and we're like, whoa, the Lord. And then what makes us come down from our lofty place? It comes where nobody sees. You start getting thoughts. Ideas, suggestions. And they, what do they try to do? They make you teeter. They try to bring you away from your happy, solid place in your thinking in the Lord. And he said, listen, don't, you got to watch it. That's why he said, I taught you. You need to remember. Don't allow that other stuff in. I've said this before. It's interesting in Ephesians, when Paul talked about people growing up, he said, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him who is the head. But he talked about people creeping in and teaching lies and hypocrisy, and that it would toss people to and fro. And he gave the example of being like on a ship. That sounds like tottering. 
In other words, you're not fixed and steady. Inside, you're getting thrown around in your mind. The word troubled means to cry aloud and make a noisy, make noisy by an outcry. How many people have heard stuff? And even the disciples, when they were in the middle of the storm in the ship, Jesus had just taught them, let's go to the other side. We can win. He goes and goes to sleep. And they woke up, and you know what happened? It said they cried out first and ran and said, Hey, don't you care? We're drowning. Why did they cry out? That's the same word right here. When it talks about troubled, shaken in your mind, why do people cry out when they get into trouble? Because thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that are not final authority are starting to be accepted like they're final authority, and they think, We're doomed! I knew you guys would like this. Literally means to cry aloud in fright or being frightened. So I guess you could say this. If I find these symptoms in me, and I want to, oh, what's going on, Lord? Oh, and I'm troubled about the truth and not just fixed in the truth, I can tell right now I'm, uh, these, these are symptoms of this right here. I'm entertaining wrong things. No wonder he said, I've got to tell you this again. Because one place he said, I do it so it doesn't slip from you. Why is it important to hear some of the same stuff again? So we can entertain the right thing when opposition comes. What was Jesus quoting when opposition came? Same old truths he knew before, when he, before he got there. I'll tell you what would be good for you to do. Is when you wake up in the morning. Or when you're driving. Take different truths that you know and just use your imagination and ponder them. See yourself having the greater one way down inside of you. See yourself and imagine yourself being in the Lord Jesus and that He rules your life. Meditate is what it's called, but imagine, ponder, I'm blessed. Because see, we don't, a lot of people really don't think right. They have a Christian version so they're like, deliver me, Lord. And the Lord said, I've delivered you. But they don't see themselves delivered. Their minds are troubled because they're trying to get what he said. They have never heard it and then heard it and adopted it. And so they're saying, oh, Lord, bless me. Bless this. No, the blessing of Abraham, the Bible said, is on us. So Abraham didn't walk around going, please, Lord, bless this. And please, Lord, bless this. And, 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 and I'm just, uh, Lord, bless me now. Bless me. No, it was on him like stink on a skunk. Wherever he went, it was there. He didn't have to believe for it, but he thought like it. And in Christ, we need to think like, okay, and no matter what went wrong in his life, and he got the short end of the stick a number of times, he just soared. And he wasn't claiming, I'm claiming, we should declare. But he was thinking, I'm blessed. How many people are secure enough that if they get thrown overboard in terrible storm and they've got a life jacket on, they're coming up. They're coming up. How many people when they get thrown overboard don't have a life jacket on and they think, I've got to fight to get to the top, I've got to fight to get to the top, I've got to fight, I've got to... Uh. You know what the difference is? One knows what's on them and the other one is trying to do it. We need to think like it's on us. It's in us. 
and we've got it. Because that's really how God looks at it. That's why we need to hear truth again and again and recognize I am blessed. His blessing is on me. Instead of me going, oh Lord, please bless this, we should approach God and say, well, I'm blessed. Do you want me to do this, Lord? Didn't the Bible say He has already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places? But many people don't think like it. They go, yeah, that's neat. Now bless me, Lord. Why do we need to hear it again and again? Because we need to hear it the way He said it so we get set so we don't get troubled. When something says, well, this ain't going to work. That's impossible. Because you said you're for me. Well, praise the Lord. I knew you'd be excited about this. And... Um, just a matter of time, and I knew it. And, uh, but his words were final authority because they were God's words he was giving Paul in this context. But the side thought is, is they were accepting stuff that wasn't as though it was like final authority. How many people face troubles and they think the trouble is the final authority? The problem in their kid... How many people pray and don't see an immediate change and what they see, they think that's the final authority? They're troubled. They're allowing different things in their mind instead of going, it doesn't matter what I see, God's working. He said it. And they get agitated. And then they cry out. Well, I'm glad you're here too. Praise the Lord. Turn to somebody and tell them, I think he's talking to you right now. Turn to Acts, the 20th chapter. <laughs> You're like, I'm glad you came because I think he's talking to you right now. But Acts, the 20th chapter, and we're going to look at this, this set of verses uh, and, and, see, and see some of the same type of truths again. Acts 20, verse 27. And I find these ones pretty interesting, like I did the other ones. Acts 20, somebody said, oh great, it can't get much more interesting than it already is. But you understand, we live in a hostile world. You can't stop certain thoughts from coming to you. You can't stop hearing certain things, but what value you place on them is important. Right? And Paul said, listen, you can't accept those things like they're coming from me because they're not from God. And if you accept them that way, you're going to get agitated, you're going to get troubled, you're going to get all internally tore up, and you're going to teeter. In other words, you're not going to be fixed. Acts 20, verse 27. He said, for I have not shunned or avoided to declare to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, not just one little truth that's appealing. He said, I taught you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed or give attention to yourselves. Hey, some people ought to pay attention to themselves. You know how many people pay attention to everybody else? Hey, you got a problem over there. You got a problem. I see something wrong. Hey, ever thought about looking at yourself? Do you know about yourself? Do you know areas that you need to guard? Do you? You know, if you get your hurt, feelings hurt because of how people treat you, you need to guard that. 
other people may have a problem with certain things, then you need to be careful about being around that. You need to know yourself so you can get strong. Right? And don't, I mean, I remember years ago, I had an anger thing going on when I got saved. And love came in me, and I wanted to love people. But I still, you know, we didn't have ultimate fighting. But I wanted to go watch boxing still and see boxing. That ain't good, because you know what you do after you get done boxing? You're like, oh, I could just bam, whoa, I could just boom, bam, you know. And what are you doing? You're just imagining hitting people. Smack them. And then when you get into a traffic situation, I have you been practicing the left and the right. This is the honest truth. I used to do this for a while after, and then I stopped, but I would practice kicking face high in front of the mirror in the bathroom so the counter was right here. So if you stood in front of me, I could kick you in the face. It's the truth. I did it for years. Now, I don't know if I could do that now. Maybe I'd kick you in the knee. <laughs> but I would. I'd practice kicking face high so I had this much room in the counter so if I knew if I was this close to somebody, I kick, could kick you in the face and, and knock you down. And I'm in Bible school still doing this, and about halfway, this is the truth, halfway through the first year, maybe three-quarters of the way through, I was in the bathroom, left leg, left leg, right leg, right leg, and I'm full speed. And the Lord has already dealt with me to quit watching boxing and stuff, so I've now stopped. I struggled, but I stopped. Now, it's still maybe a month or two, after this experience, I stopped doing this. I went to kick. My leg got a little too close to the counter and literally cut almost half my toenail off my big toe. <laughs> Serious. Just went right through it. And blood went, hi-ya! And I went, oh! I grabbed that thing. I said, praise the Lord. I... But why was I... But I'm imagining. So what does that do? It gets you ready. For what? I'll tell you what. When they show up, I'm going to let them have it. I just... Uh... And then you're like, Lord, no, says help me not to be mad at them. I'll tell you what, I'll just tell her to tear their head off. I mean, the next time they do, Lord, just help me. You're totally getting troubled in your mind and in your soul, entertaining the wrong thing, and it's agitating. Robs you of the peace of God. Especially when you should be thinking, His love is in my spirit because I'm brand new, and I have patience and kindness. So he said, oh, not me. It's because you imagine that way. That's why you're agitated. Let's get back to this. Where are we at? Verse 27, because we got to get rolling here. It says, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's a ton here. He's writing to these leaders. He's been there a while. He's getting ready to leave. And he said, Listen, you need to take heed to yourselves, Pay attention to yourself. Who do you work on most? Yourself, not, your, not, not everybody else. Who do you work on the most? Yourself. Because in the doing it of yourself, Jesus said it this way. Don't try to just deal with other people and remove the splinter from their eye. He said, if you'll work on yourself and get rid of the log in your own eye, you'll be skillful enough to remove the splinter from their own eye. Otherwise, I'll add my interpretation, your log will smack them in the head while you're trying to remove their splinter. <laughs> right? So if you work on yourself, and Paul wrote to different ministers, said, work on yourself. 
What makes somebody effective? Working on themselves. The most effective ministers, I didn't say hype ministers, people who stir people up and get all people all fired up. There's a big difference because you can get people all fired up and then they leave and they're just a burning up and they don't just, there's no substance. But you notice people in areas that really do have effect or you could say in years gone by had effect. They're people who have done something with themselves. Why do people like Joyce Meyer? I'm not a big follower of her. Why do people like her? Because she overcame abuse, depression. She's just not telling you. She's telling you what she did. And she knows that if you do this, you can get these results right here. So we observe ourselves. And then notice the next part. He said these people were not just people that were man-appointed to oversee the flock, the Holy Spirit put them there, and he said they made them overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. It means there are people in the world that are going to come in among us among us as believers, and he didn't say, they're just off a little bit. He said, they are savage wolves. What is a savage wolf? I mean, you know, I watch National Geographic or some of those different ones. You know, savage wolf, they come up and lick you, and they're like, hey, no, they'll tear you apart. He said, they're going to come, and they're not going to spare the flock. So what's he doing? He's warning these ministers to be aware of savage wolves because ministers are supposed to watch out for the sheep. He said, also from among you, men will rise up speaking perverse things. Crazy stuff. We've had people come in all the years I've been in the ministry since the late 80s now. I've seen crazy people come. When I was in the church in California, people just rise up within, got this new crazy thing. Let me tell you about it. They get that wild look in their eyes, you know. You just start to think, okay, I'm ready to hear. And, uh, but they speak perverse things. What? To draw away the disciples. These people were already disciples. They were in going, and they get pulled by these things. To draw them away to themselves. Therefore, watch and and, and, and remember, he said that before, that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He knew these were things that would happen in this world. And he said, and he was only there temporarily because he was a traveling minister. And he was cried and he said, listen, these things are going to happen. There's going to be people come and you're going to try to get torn. You're going to, they're going to try to trouble you. They're going to try and draw you away. And he said, some of them are going to just be in you, among us. Now, don't be looking and go, who's he talking about right now? But we just need to recognize not everything that everybody says is perfect or right. That's among us. But it doesn't mean they're horrible. He didn't say ravage or savage wolves will rise up from within. We talked about it last week. Peter was called. Spent three, and a, three years with Jesus. 
And he went off doctrinally and Paul had to confront him because he played the hypocrite. So he said, I wasn't here. I need to listen to that. It'd be good. It'd be good. He said, night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. What will the word of God do if you don't let other things come in and choke? It will build you up. Doesn't that sound steady? Not troubled? And he didn't just say it will build you up. He said, and it will give you an inheritance because you've got one. So hearing the right truth is important. What you entertain is super important. He said, give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified or literally who have already received the Lord and are separated unto Him. Hearing the truth and hearing the right things again and again is needful. Hearing who we are, what we have. Don't freak out, you know, because if I preach the same thing at some point or you hear the same truth, I've already heard that. Truth that's alive, you like hearing. You with me? Food that's good, I'll eat it again and again. How about you? Oh no, that Chinese food was so good, I don't need any more the rest of my life. No, you're already planning. Okay, I can't get my wife to go back today, so in three days, we'll, we'll be back there. Right? You ready to go back? I don't know. You know, and then you're thinking, well, I'm going to probably have to sneak over there. <laughs> but we should recognize eating the same stuff again and again is not bad, it's safe. Yeah. 